Okay, hey y'all, and welcome to the very first Eat, Drink, Travel Y'all podcast, the podcast that talks about everything in the hospitality industry with the rock star professionals from chefs to winemakers, travel photographers, influencers, anything food, wine, booze, travel related, we're going to talk about. And I am so excited to have one of my good friends, Drew Marquis, on today talking to us for episode number one. Drew has a super impressive culinary background, um, and we have known each other for several years, and I'll get into that backstory. Um, He has, in recent years, gotten into barbecue and has been putting out some just insane food with lines out the door pickup barbecue pickup events in Seattle. Um, He's recently uh, relocated to the White Salmon area and we're going to chat with him today about everything he's been doing, a little bit about barbecue, a lot about food. So let's go ahead and bring Drew on. I did that right. There he is. Hi, Drew. How are you? Doing good, Steph. Nice to see you. Yeah, nice to, I haven't seen you in a while. I mean, I guess over Instagram, I saw a picture of you on Instagram a couple days ago. Um, You have since moved from the, we met in Seattle and now we are both, I have relocated to Walla Walla and you are in White Salmon, is that right? White Salmon, yeah. So um, Southern Washington, right along the Columbia River, just across from Hood River, Oregon, right on the border. It's not a bad place to be, a beautiful area. As we did a little pre-interview a couple days ago, and he was telling me about how lovely it is down there. Yeah, absolutely stunning. Where we couldn't be couldn't be happier to be in this new location. Awesome. Well, we got a lot to talk about, so we are just going to get into it. Um, Drew is currently, like I said, pursuing his barbecue passion, um, and there's a lot going on there, but. Just want to kind of start off and talk a little bit about your background. You are an Oklahoma Midwest boy, but you really, you know, honed your skills as a chef in in Dallas um, from what we've talked about. So, I mean, just give me like a very brief uh, synopsis of getting started, kind of leading up to when you moved to Italy. Sure. Um, yeah. So like I said, I grew up in Oklahoma um, and I went to Dallas in 2007 to kind of just pursue cooking. Um, did college for a little bit and and just never found something I was super passionate about. Um, so I worked in some kitchens in Dallas for a while um, and most notably a restaurant called Lucia in the Bishop Arts District. Um, small Italian restaurant. We were doing... Um, all of our pasta making in house, um, curing all of these meats in house. Um, and I got to be a part of the opening team of five of us for the restaurant there. So, um, that was where I really, I learned a lot of foundational stuff, um, in the years before that, but I feel like that was when I really started to learn how to cook. Um, okay. So. And, and I might sound stupid, Lucia, you're talking about making pasta and meats. So and that sounds Italian. That was an Italian restaurant. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Italian restaurant. Um, it was real traditional Italian dishes, um, but we were using, you know, all the produce that was local to us, um, working with small farms. That was kind of my first um, foray into that of actually like meeting farmers and seeing where food is coming from, um, getting in whole hogs and stuff like that. Um, 
Did you kind of always know that you wanted to be a chef or did it hit you a little later in life? Yeah. I mean, I didn't really grow up cooking. Um, I mean, my mom and my, my, uh, grandparents cooked all the time. Um, but it wasn't like, um, I didn't stand at the counter and help my grandma roll out ravioli <laughs> or anything like that. Um, yeah. but, uh, yeah, when I was in college, I was just like looking for something to do as a career or whatever. And, um, I always worked in, in kitchens and restaurants, like worked at a bunch of little burger spots in high school and college. And, um, and yeah, when I started thinking about it, it was just one of those things that was like, okay, this is the first career path type thing that I've thought about where, um, I didn't get bored of it after, you know, a few weeks or something. It was like still exciting the longer I thought about it. Um, and, uh, yeah, it just seemed like something worth trying. Um, so, uh, yeah, that was cool. I mean, that, that led me to move into Dallas, um, and starting working there. Um, and then, yeah, just, uh, progressed from there. Cool. Um, you know, our stories are very different, but a little similar. I became obsessed with food in college too, because it started off, I wanted to cook healthy meals for like me and my boyfriend at the time. Um, and then I just became fully obsessed with food. I worked at restaurants in college and grad school, uh, waiting tables and absolutely loved it. I knew that I went into marketing for a while and I knew I'd, I knew I'd end up back somehow connected to the hospitality industry. Um, very cool. Well, thanks for the background. Um, I want to move on and chat a little bit. So you, you cooked in Dallas for a while and then you had the opportunity to move to Italy, which is like a culinary <laughs> dream or just a dream for anyone, even if you don't yeah. like, like, you know, maybe just like wine. Um, but tell us just a little bit about that experience, like a little more about like what you moved there to do and like how it shaped you as a chef. Yeah. Um, well, so, uh, when I was cooking at Lucia, um, and we were working with a lot of these small farms and stuff, I was realizing that, um, all these things are really important to us at the restaurants and learning about where our food is coming from. I had no experience. Um, and I never worked on a farm, never really been on a farm, didn't know where any of this food was like, what was the foundation coming up for, or where all this stuff was coming from. And, uh, so there's, food writer, Michael Ruhlman, um, who I used to read his blog religiously around that time. And he had made some small little article about this, um, internship program in Tuscany on a farm. And I had looked into it when it came out and then it just, I was still cooking and enjoying that. And then when I started thinking about trying to, um, learn more about farming, um, I found that article again, found this internship program in Tuscany and, uh, applied and, um, basically had to, to ask, I needed references for it. So I had to ask my chef, you know, for a reference to help with my application, but it's like asking, okay, so I might leave the restaurant and go to Italy and it could be in the spring or summer or fall. I don't know which one. Um, but would you write me a reference? And then if I don't get accepted, can I keep working here? <laughs> <laughs> so that's what every employer wants to hear, right? Exactly. Exactly. But he, was, he was amazing. Um, and, uh, yeah, gave me a great reference and was really supportive through the whole thing. Um, him and his wife had spent a lot of time in Italy and, uh, yeah, I just knew that it was, it could, it could be a good opportunity. So, um, I was able, I got accepted for the spring internships, the three month program on this farm. It's called Spinocchia 
And uh, basically, you live and work on a farm. Um, we had olive trees and made all of the olive oil there. We had uh, vineyards and made wine there. Um, they had a like agro-tourism program, so guests would come and stay there. All of the food that they would feed the guests came from this huge garden. And then we raised pigs, um, this specific breed called Chinthesinese. That's uh, it's kind of like the Spanish Iberico um, hog, but the Tuscan version. And uh, so we raised those pigs there and then butchered and cured all of the meat there as well. And so, Drew, when you were working there, you're obviously like raising the pigs, butchering the pigs. Are you also, are you doing any cooking? You're saying you have guests that are doing some like. Yeah, not, not on a professional level. Um, it was, I mean, as interns, there were eight of us. And so, I mean, it really, it was like real world style. Like we literally, eight of us living in a house. We're all strangers and we're all working on this farm. And so we cooked together because um, everybody that was there was, um, had some sort of food background. Um and uh, so we cooked a lot together um, and we'd have big meals and stuff, but we weren't cooking for guests during that time. Um, mostly just cooking for ourselves. Well, I, just, I think that's, that's so interesting and what a great experience. And I mean, you know, the, the farm experience, the farm, what happens on the farm, <laughs> the, the raising of the animals, the growing of everything, getting to know your ingredients, like that's, and I feel obviously all this farm to table movement that's, you know, been, is nothing new at this point. Um, that's having that connection gives you so much more knowledge as a chef. And I think that we've definitely moved in a direction that we, we value that. And we know that the connection like to farm to table is super important. And um, I can only imagine what kind of an experience that that was. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was life changing. It was, I ended up staying in Italy for a year and a half and got to work on various farms over there through the wolf program. Um, wineries, cheesemakers, just a whole bunch of stuff. But the perspective that I got from just seeing all of that stuff firsthand, seeing how extremely difficult all of that work is, um, how important those little things, especially when it comes to animal welfare and stuff like that. I mean, just getting that perspective from a 900-year-old farm and this, you know, they've been doing these things this way for so long for these reasons and the reverence that they had for those animals and, and utilizing every single piece. I mean, there was zero waste on that farm. And, uh, well, and I, I've noticed that you guys are like kind of employing that still in your business. I saw that you posted on Instagram like two days ago that your barbecue spot that we're going to get to in a few minutes was doing something with pig heads. And you guys were <laughs> like, we're just, we don't want to waste any part of, of the animal. And it's just that whole, like, farm to table, nose to tail mentality where nothing is wasted is again, something that I feel like in, in recent years has just become so, so important. Yeah. I mean, you really have to, we were, we've been fortunate to meet some of the farmers here in the gorge, um, very quickly and, and, um, tree bird farm where we got these heads from, um, they, they only take about two or three pigs, uh, to process each week. And so, and they have a streamlined, um, network for where all of that meat goes. And so they just don't have a lot, but they also don't have a ton of demand for heads. And so when we were chatting about what kind of stuff they could, they had that we could get, um, cook a dinner this past weekend, 
um, he said, yeah, I've got a bunch of heads. And so it's just like, perfect. I mean, it's honestly the, the meat from the head is, is some of my favorite on the entire animal. Um, and it's a really underutilized thing. And we took them and, um, kind of parboiled with parboiled them with aromatics for half the day and, um, got a really great broth from it and then put them on the smoker afterwards and just shredded all of the meat that came off of it. And, but yeah, I mean, learning, like I learned how to make head cheese and stuff like that when I was in Italy and, um, having some of that knowledge and being able to utilize that stuff is super important. Otherwise those farmers have these things that just, they just go to waste. And, um, yeah, you can really, you can make a lot of meals out of that stuff if you just try not to waste anything and and make the most. And of it's it. good, right? It's like, delicious. It, oh my it, gosh, it's like it's literally. Good. I mean, you know, and, um, yeah. So okay, so you're in Italy for a year and a half. You're you know learning about these pigs and butchering them and the simplicity of just like ingredients and. Um, Tell us how you got that kind of leads into how you got back to the United States. And this would have been I, what, like 2013 you're coming back. Uh, yeah. 2013, I think. Um, well, while I was over there in Italy doing my internship, um, there was a group of people in California that were working to import this breed of pig to the States for the first time. Um, they wanted to, raise these pigs um and basically do what we were doing in tuscany and, and cure all of the meats and um have a small farm and have this really special breed of pigs available to uh, farmers in the bay area or restaurants in the bay area and um so i knew about that happening um because the farm where i was working was one of the places where some of those pigs were coming from um and around the time when i was looking to come back home to the States. Um, that farm was looking for someone to raise these pigs in California. Um, and I talked to the people that were kind of managing the program over the phone quite a few times while I was in Italy and it just kind of lined up and I got back to the States, took a trip out to uh, Mendocino County, uh, where the farm was and we just had a really great time. And so I, Got home from Italy, and I think three weeks later, moved to California. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so... What a beautiful place, too, Mendocino County. I mean... And yeah, you're perfect. Did you tell me you were, like, living in an Airstream when this was yeah. happening, when you were out there? So you're just, you know, very, very rustic, but, like, what a great experience. Like, I feel like awesome. you had a lifetime of experiences, and you guys are listening to this, so you can't see us, but Drew is very young. <laughs> and I think, I don't know, can I say how old you are? I think we're about the same age, maybe. Yeah, I just turned 37. Okay, and I'll well, be six Somewhat here. young. But. So, yeah, so we're both still young, but to have, you know, had these, like, these are like life-changing experiences, you know, totally. like in a lifetime. Um, I think, I think both of these. And um, when did you meet your lovely wife? You met her when you got to Seattle? I did. Yeah. So I did the farming thing for about a year and a half um, in California and I loved it, but I was really missing just working directly with food and kind of wanted to get back into that. Um and uh, so I decided to move up to Seattle, um, and I kind of wanted, I wasn't really feeling like going right back into restaurants, um, and I uh, wanted to do something different. So started looking into specialty food stores um, and retail and um, product sourcing, and just after all the things that I'd been exposed to in Italy, it was just exciting about, you know, products that are available in the States or are not, and 
Um, so I ended up getting a job at De Laurenti at Pike Place Market um, and uh, met Nikki there. She was working in the deli selling cheese and uh, it didn't take very long for us what to... What story? Uh, a chef <laughs> and a cheesemonger. Like I yeah. <laughs> and, and this is actually so... Um, for those of you that are not super familiar with Seattle, De Laurenti is an absolute staple, a gem in Pike Place Market, which probably anyone listening to this podcast is sort of Pike Place Market, I would think, if you like food. And um, it is just this incredible Italian grocery store. I Do you know off the top of your head how old it is, Drew? Uh, 1946 is when it was open. 1946. Okay. So I was going to say at least 50 years, but, but longer. Um, yeah. And this is actually where Drew and I met. So I lived, as many of you know, um, a block from Pike Place Market for seven years in Seattle, some of the best years of my life. And we met, yeah, Drew, he, like, I think you started, you became the chef there very quickly. They had someone leave um, after you started working there. So you went kind of full into the chef thing there. And on top of being a grocery store, they also do like deli and lunch stuff and wine. Um, and so uh, Drew was working there when I met him. I was in there all the time buying wine and charcuterie. Um I, I wanted to to just take a second too and just talk about how great like De Laurenti is. It's just such a it, it's such a special place. I have been I, I have been to Europe. I have been to France. I have still never seen a cheese collection as big as the one that is yeah. in De Laurenti when you walk it's, in there. It is it's unreal. I mean, the whole store. It's just so everything is so perfect in there and so curated and the cheese selection. I mean, it. I think on the low end we would have over two hundred cheeses, and on the high end over three hundred. Um, and I, not just filler stuff. I mean, it's world class. Yeah, it's yeah. There. It was local stuff italian stuff i mean all kinds of stuff and like just the most uh just the best people in there too like your whole experience in there it was it was it was really a special place um i'm like thinking of like janae right now like giving me cheese and i miss her right now i've met so many food people i i worked with de Laurenti for a little while um actually helped them out with some social media consulting for i don't know if it God, 2016 or 17. Um, and so Drew and I, I would come in and, and take photos of his food and we would chat. And, and that's how we got to know each other better as well. On top of me shopping there. Beans. Can't forget the beans. Oh yes. And so when I really <laughs> knew one of my, one of my favorite food products, and I'm actually working on a blog on this on like the foods I can't live without is, is Rancho Gordo beans. And this is because of Drew. Okay. Dale Renty has the best hummus you will ever get. And I was in there one day talking to him. He was like, well, it's the beans we use. It's these, it's these Rancho Gordo garbanzo beans. And so I bought them, dude, I ordered them offline. I have like 12 bags of Rancho Gordo <laughs> yeah. beans. I have their chili powder. Um, yeah. I have become the biggest fan and would love to have him on the, on the podcast of Steve Sando, who started Gordo. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Steve. I, yeah, Steve, hi. <laughs> like, oh, he knows who I am. I comment a lot on their Instagram. <laughs> he's just, he's amazing. And just a little background on Rancho Gordo, like just this fabulous man yeah. in California, like Napa area. And he goes down to Mexico to source like heirloom beans and they're amazing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Unbeatable. And honestly, that was one of the funnest things about working at Dealer was being able to share things like that with customers that came in. 
and cause the kitchen was open and you, the beans were like conveniently located near the kitchen. I couldn't walk by that shelf with, and see somebody looking at those beans without saying something. It was just like, I got, I know you don't need help right now, but I have to tell you. And I know, I mean, I, I follow you on social media. Obviously we, you know, follow each other. And I, over, I mean, you turned me on to these like probably three or four years ago. And I, I've been trying to get in their bean club for two years. Okay. I'm still on this, but I see you still use them. I see you putting them in your Dutch oven and and cooking them. I make, I make some garbanzo beans about once a week. Um, but I have, I have so many of their beans in my, in my pantry they're so good i like thank drew for bringing rancho gordo into my life Um, but again one of the many products that that de la renti has and i think that um you know as you know drew worked in the market i lived and worked you know with restaurants in the market and pie place is just a really it's just a really special place to be a part of especially for someone in the food industry um kind of like another once in a lifetime experience you've already had Many at your young yeah. age. Yeah, no, very special to be to witness that and be on the uh, be an employee in that area, and not um, not just walking around and seeing it. Because being there every day, it's uh, it's a crazy place. I mean, I'd never really lived in a big city before, and so to move yeah. to Seattle and experience that, and then also work in like the craziest part of the whole city, um, yeah, could get a little overwhelming at times. But overall, it was just yeah, it was a great place to work. Dela's awesome um learned a ton of stuff while being there and, and nikki and i were there she was there for eight years and and i think i was there for five maybe a little bit more yeah so really invested and you know really a part of the team and again just the best service you would get anywhere with the most knowledgeable staff on yeah it is definitely one of the big things that we miss about seattle is having De Laurenti a block away. Yeah. That's the Asian food. Walla Walla. Yeah. <laughs> have any any decent? There's not a ramen spot here, so yeah. I have you know ramen in my pantry, which is not as good. But every time I go to Seattle, I also get ramen. That's a story for another day. Um, but so so you were at De Laurenti for five years, and I mean you've you've told me as we're friends that you really did a lot to like elevate the already what they were doing as far as making sure they were cooking everything from scratch. And, you know, they, they have a big case at De La Renti. You can go and get like fresh made, you know, pasta sauces and fresh made pizza dough on um, stuff. I used to do all the time. That's super simple, but get you like those good handmade local ingredients, like in, in, in your hands. Um, and I know that you did a lot to elevate that while you were there. Yeah, I mean, I did my best. It was it was pretty easy to um, kind of just roll into that kitchen and and you know just look around the store and and it was really encouraging to to use products that we had in the store to cook with, uh, especially in our cafe. You know, I mean, like we cook five pounds of Rancho Gordo beans two or three times a week and put them in soups and stuff. And oh. um, but yeah, it was, uh, it was great. We had a, we had a good little small staff, um, and everybody was really passionate about food. And so basically just, you know, talking about food all day long, you know, getting ideas for new specials and stuff, just literally going shopping in De Laurenti and pulling things off the shelves and cooking with that. And, um, so yeah, I got pretty spoiled there. Um, with yeah. the and, um, you know, I mean, 
paychecks are literally just getting spent right back at the store and buying all of the wine and everything. And they got a lot of my money too. Yeah. <laughs> when, I, when I was working with them, they definitely got all the money back that yeah. I paid spent in that store. Totally. Um, totally. And I, I also just like want to mention too, that Pike Place Market has, has, you know, a lot of it has reopened and I know that Dale Rinty is open in some capacity. So like get out there and support you know, if you can. Yeah. 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 We, we definitely had a couple trips before we moved. We were just like, we've got to go to Dela and get yeah. all these things before we're gone for a while. So yeah. it's, it's a special place. Okay. And so, so you're there, you're at Dela Renty for almost five years, getting there in 2015. And so I was actually, like I said, we had a, we had a pre-interview call a few days ago and you reminded me that you left Dale Renty in 2020 to start the barbecue thing, which means this has only been going on. You're like, and we're going to get into the barbecue story now for not even a year and a half. And it has been insane. So why don't you tell us a little bit about, so Drew is obviously like very Italian, you know, familiar with Italian cuisine and has lived in Italy and worked with food and worked in Italian restaurants and, and raised these Italian like style pigs and just done all these things. And then gone to De Laurenti, this amazing Italian grocery store. When did the love for barbecue start? And just talk a little bit about how you got into that. Um, well, honestly, I mean, it basically started when I got a smoker and it's like, and I think it's pretty common among barbecue people. It's just, it's a weird obsession bug. And once you get it, it's just like, kind of all you think about and so i got a smoker um yeah i guess it was 2019 um two days after christmas found one on craigslist for 50 bucks and uh drove down to kent and picked up this smoker and brought it back and and it just turned into a an obsession and we you know we were cook uh, ribs and stuff and have friends over and we were always having friends over so it was just like one more um thing to cook with and and host with and we were um getting pretty into just cooking with live fire in general so being able to use a real wood fired smoker was just it was fun um and then uh yeah again like so many other barbecue people um learning about aaron franklin and reading his book and just diving down those rabbit holes and and just trying to there's so much information out there um yeah and so many different techniques and so many things to learn and it's just a it's a never-ending amount of information and and uh so yeah so i got the smoker and and really just started cooking at home and we would cook for friends and um and we weren't really sure exactly what it was going to lead to we knew that we were gonna we wanted to move to the gorge in the next couple years and so in 2020 um we both decided to leave De Laurenti and, um, and the plan was pre COVID. Um, this is like gonna... January, 2020, just to oh, say yeah. Yeah, January 1st. So this is like COVID is, is six weeks, a month, two months out from hitting Seattle yeah. and the rest of the country. Yeah. Yeah. So we got really fortunate in that regard that we kind of made these big life decisions right before that happened. And, um, so, yeah, so we left and, and I thought I was going to spend all of 2020 um, learning more about barbecue and then move to the gorge and then try and start a barbecue thing down here. Um, so I got a job at Woodshop Barbecue in Seattle um, and uh, and went to work with them and just 
you know, told them like, you know, I, I want to learn as much about barbecue as I can and thought they were doing the best stuff in the city. And, um, and, uh, yeah, so <laughs> thought that was going to be most of 2020 and then, um, middle of March after COVID, um, they closed and we just, everybody got furloughed, um, and just kind of, so you went to work for them. I'm sorry. I'm sorry to interrupt you, Drew. I just want to paint the 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 picture for everyone. So you go to work for them in what January or February of 2021? Yeah, January. I think I like January third or something. I basically had like two days off from Dela and they then shut down in March. And so that was like, yeah. And I I should have looked this up, but I I believe that they have reopened. They have. Yeah. Reopened. Yeah. They have. They're crushing. They. They, uh, I mean, they're all awesome. good. I'm guessing oh, yeah. I, I have not eaten there. Um, somehow I haven't eaten there in Seattle. I haven't eaten at every place, but yeah, yeah. Um, no, it was great. It was, a. I, I loved, uh, working there. Matt, the owner has just been one of the most supportive people, um, for just every, like, I mean, you know, I worked for those guys for two and a half months and, um, the amount of support that I got from them, um, as we started to do our own barbecue thing, uh, it's just, it's always blown me away. And, um, so yeah, it's, it's great food. They have some really cool smokers there. Um, you know, it was the first time I got to cook on like a real large scale size smoker. So I'm going to work and I'm just like as happy as can be. And I'm surrounded by fires and there's 18 brisket cooking at one time. And I was just like, it was awesome. Every day was like just being a kid again. And, um, so yeah, but that was only two and a half months and yeah. it, uh, it feels like a lot longer because of how much I learned there, but, um, it's, uh, it was a really short amount of time. And, um, and then, uh, yeah, when they closed, um, you know, they have reopened. It didn't take them terribly long to reopen. Um, they have a truck too. And, um, but in, in that downtime, it was just kind of like, all right, what are we, <laughs> what are we doing? <laughs> going on employment and just kind of hang out for a little bit and see what happens. And we had moved out of the city at that point. Um, so we were staying over in Carnation area. And, Which is, uh, what's that like an hour, 45 minutes? An hour. Yeah. 45 minutes or so from work. So I was just commuting um, yeah. to woodshop every day. And, and, um, but again, another fortunate thing, we moved out of, out of the city right before COVID. So we weren't like, in a really tight yeah. area. Hey, I, was, I was in it. We were downtown. I know. It, I remember delivering. It was yeah. not a good place to be. Yeah. Like, you, you dropped me off barbecue. So, like, you you got – that was – yeah, that was, like, the universe helping you out there. Because, yeah. So, um, so, okay. So, yeah. So, you – you know, you decide you're going to follow this barbecue passion that's been ignited in you. So you, you know, but you're noticing a delivery go work for wood shop for a couple months and then COVID. And then you guys are, are, have moved to carnation and you're hanging out. And so this all happens so fast. That's why I literally, I was talking to Marcus, my boyfriend who, who drew knows right before we recorded this. I'm like, I can't believe that drew just told me that like he put his notice in a day like he started working at De Laurenti in January of 2020. Like so much has transpired. So, and yeah. anyway, so he moves out there doing barbecue stuff at home with friends and like, what, how long does it take before you're doing these massively popular <laughs> about like dozens and dozens of people lined up before they open like pop-up barbecue stuff in Seattle like during COVID, like talk a little bit about like that whole idea for that, like, and, and just how that kind of happened and how it happened so fast. 
Um, well, yeah, I mean, like, like I said, we were just hanging out and, uh, you know, after getting to cook barbecue every day and then all of a sudden not having a job, it was just like, okay, I want to cook barbecue again. And, um, so we decided that we would, um, message some of our friends that we would have over for barbecue in the past. And, um, but it's not the cheapest thing. So just for us to just cook barbecue just for fun, like you, we're going to run out of money real quick. And, um, so we messaged some friends and said, Hey, if we made some barbecue, would you guys be interested in buying it? And, uh, Nikki had the great idea to vacuum seal it. And, um, we said, yeah, we'll just, we'll just drive into the city and we'll bring it to you guys. And, um, all of our friends were just like, yeah, that sounds great. And then a few friends told a few of their friends, and then those friends got excited. And I mean, at this point I had one small backyard smoker and it could fit two brisket at a time. And we're chopping wood down into like tiny little sticks just to burn the stuff. And so it didn't take like for us to make enough food for like, I think it was 14 of our friends or something was the first one. It was like, it's like four days of work just to cook all of that food. Cause just this tiny little smoker. So when friends told friends and then they wanted some, it was just like, there was just more demand than we could keep up with, but we're on a really small scale. So it's not like there's a hundred people that wanted our food from day one, but there were more people that wanted the food than we could provide from day one. And that just kind of added to the like, okay, it was just, well, the next time we do this, that seems like there's a bunch of people that want it. And um, to streamline, we put it on Instagram and, uh, just started posting about the cooking processes and what we were doing. And, you know, we're just kind of spread a little slowly and people sold their friends, like I said. And, um, and yeah, so we would, we'd smoke food for three or four days, chill it all down, vacuum seal it, take it, um, put it in coolers, drive into the city and then just drive around to all our friends' houses and drop it off. The very first one we were in like nobody really knew what was going on with COVID and wear our mask and wear gloves. And we put the bags of food on a shovel and like handed it to people from <laughs> a distance. And, <laughs> um, but you know, honestly, we were just having fun. We were just like, it was an opportunity for me to cook still and to get to see our friends a little bit. And, uh, and then it just grew. And, um, once it got on Instagram, you know, just again, like enough, it didn't take that many people for us to sell out. And, uh, and we were doing it as like about once a week was as often as we could keep up with how much we could cook. And, um, and, uh, yeah, so it just, it just kind of continued to grow and we were taking all of our orders just on DMS through Instagram and, uh, which was really uh, fun for you. Yeah. Right. Like, look at look what, uh, you know, I mean, social media can drive me crazy. I've made a career out of it, but sometimes it can be exhausting, but this is yeah. like, of the great like success stories of you know how it, it it lifted your business and you guys did such a great job with it um i remember you sending me messages like i need to talk with you like you know like this this is getting out of control like some social media, <laughs> like like let's chat and and you know we chat a little bit but i think overall like you and 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 your sweet wife nikki y'all did such a great job and you just had a good product and you had a good eye and you were genuine and and I feel like, you know, that's what social media is for. And I, again, that's just like a great, a great story, a great social media success story. And um, tell me like, so when, I mean, 
I know that you brought me some barbecue. It, it might have been the first one or may have been the second one. I don't know if it was the very first drop off, but like, is that like May, June? Like, what time? Like, was it a yeah, little? First, the first one we did was like towards the end of April. Um, okay. And uh, yeah, and I think it was like maybe 15, 15 or 20 different places that we drove to and dropped off food, basically just people's houses. Um, and, uh, yeah, so we did that, um, which turns out to be a lot of work, um, driving all over the city. I mean, there was no traffic back then. It was like the beginning of COVID. Um, and, uh, but yeah, so we did that and then they just, yeah, they got, they grew a little bit more and a little bit more. And then all of a sudden we did, I tried to do, I think 30 something by myself in one day and it just about killed me. Then I got friends to help me. Um, the last one we did was like, yeah, 50 something people. 50 something people. And how yeah. long, how long were you guys doing the delivery before you shifted into like the pop-ups that you were doing at like breweries and restaurants? Was and only, it was only a few months or maybe even two months. Cause yeah. it was like very quickly. It was like, it happened really fast. You guys yeah. like blew up really fast. Like I know I keep saying that, but like, I can't believe I feel like you've been doing this for two or three years, but it's, it, it hasn't, it hasn't been that long. And yeah. yeah, it was all, all really fast. And, and I mean, you know, for me as a cook, like it was hard to spend 16 hours smoking a brisket and feel like really proud of a product and then stick it in a fridge and then cool it down and then cut it and then vacuum seal it into a bag. And like, we were doing all of that so people could have a, the best quality product at home when they would reheat it. Um, but still it was like, man, I really want to serve hot food. I want to, yeah. I want to slice this brisket fresh and give it cause it's just, a, there's no comparison. And yeah, absolutely. Uh, so I mean, we were always kind of working towards that. And, um, once we found a good spot to do it and felt like we could do it in a safe manner, um, we started figuring out how to do like hot food. And, uh, so our friends at Holy Mountain Brewing um, and Batch 206 Distillery next door um, were extremely gracious and, and offered their space for us to use to do a pop-up. And um, so we used the kitchen at Batch and worked with the Holy Mountain um, team and, and basically set up a, a giant uh, drive-through in their alley in the back. And so we had we were set up in the delivery, like unloading or um, loading dock on the back of the building and we had uh some friends came out and helped us and we're taking orders down on the ground and then passing them up to us and we'd slice all the food to order and but that was really that was the first one where it was like okay maybe maybe this is gonna work maybe this we, is, maybe this is the thing when you have people like i don't know if i went to the first one at um and like what he's saying batch 206 uh and holy mountain uh one is a brewery one is a distillery with the facility kind of together in seattle and so yeah. what they were doing is they were smoking out back and using their kitchen and they created kind of like a drive-through so yeah. it was very safe and socially distanced but I, I don't think I came to the first one. I, I went to one or two and every, I mean, there's always like a line of people. Like it's, it, it's it crazy how, how fast it caught on again, yeah. like social media though, quality product, good photos, great. You know, you guys are authentic and what you were doing was good and it, and it worked. And like, you guys were also correct me if I'm wrong, like selling, like you could get like Holy Mountain beer or like cocktails to go from batch 206, which 
you know, COVID just really changed everything. But like, you know, you are one of the COVID success stories. Like you were one of the, the pivoters that it really like COVID was pretty much like really a catalyst for you. And I feel like, you know, if you were still at Woodshop and everything had gone as according to plan, like you'd still be happy. But now you've launched this very successful, you know, barbecue business with like a, with, with a very fanatical following. Um, and it's just, it's been really interesting to watch and fun to watch. And I've been like, so happy for you guys. And um, yeah, I think, you know, we, everybody knows, but it's, you know, especially in the hospitality industry, like COVID was just shattering and some you know, it ended things for some people, but it, it, it was, um, yeah, it was a catalyst for some people. And so, I mean, I don't know if you're grateful for COVID, but I think it definitely played a, a positive role in the development of your business. Yeah, for sure. For sure. It's, uh, it's, it's hard to not kind of feel guilty sometimes about that. And just like, you know, with all of the bad that came from it, especially within our industry, um, it's, uh, it's tough, but we, we were able to, make a product and, and it did contribute to just kind of our lives being in a good spot, um, and, and being able to do these things and, and then support from other people. Um, and I mean, again, my, my boss at Woodshop was just, <laughs> I'm, I'm doing barbecue on my own and he's telling me, you know, you got a good thing going, like run with it. And they just like having That's that support, having people line up, before we're doing a thing. I mean, it's just, it's an emotional thing. It really was, it was incredible to see people paying for, for the food that you're making, lining up to, to wait, wait in like an hour. <laughs> Stand that, in that's how busy hour. it was. Like I can't express enough to the listeners. Like, I, I mean, I was just like blown away at how busy y'all were and couldn't be happier. And it couldn't have happened to someone who deserved it more or worked harder or was putting out a better product. But yeah, I think obviously COVID, like in the hospitality industry, like my, I mean, you know, Marcus, my boyfriend has been in the hospitality and re working in restaurants for 20 years. I've worked exclusively with restaurants. So 2020 was a very devastating year yeah. for us fi financially and just um, emotionally and seeing everyone that we know and love in the restaurant industry hurting, especially in Seattle. I feel like in, in Seattle, it was it was, it was worse there than some of the other cities. It was just, it was really tough. And I think yeah. that's, it's so great to see a success story like this. And you're definitely not the only one, like, you know, there've been a, a lot of great pivots and, and chefs that have been able to, to come out of COVID with good ideas and, and that have been successful. But, um, but okay, so let I can talk about COVID in the hospitality industry <laughs> all day, um, but let's, so, so, okay, so you're doing that. So, He's wildly successful. Drew and um, his lovely wife, Nikki, are doing these incredible pop-ups that, as you said, people are waiting an hour to get into. And then you guys move <laughs> away from the Seattle area. I know. That, that was the plan. And so, like, just talk about, so when he's doing these pop-ups, I think we failed to mention um, it was it was bootleg, bar bootleg barbecue. And he has transitioned. His business is now Grasslands barbecue. And so yep. can you just talk about a little bit about, you know, the move and the transition there? 
Yeah. Um, yeah. So like you said, I mean, we had had the plan to move down here for over two years now. We fell in love with this area and knew that's where we wanted to be. And you're in White White Salmon, Washington, right? Yep. yep. Columbia River Gorge. Um, it's honestly one of the most beautiful, magical places in the world. Um, and uh, yeah, so we had our hearts set on this place um, and did not plan on starting a business in Seattle before moving here. Um and uh, but we knew this is where we wanted to be. Um, definitely made it a lot more difficult to leave Seattle. But um, so yeah, throughout the last um, like kind of second half of 2020, when we were doing these pop ups, I was working with my good buddy Brendan. Um, he works at Tom Douglas restaurants for a long time, and then um, was running the kitchen at Salumi down at Pioneer Square. And but he'd help out with pop ups, and um, and we have known each other for a long time. I've always kind of elbowed them about like maybe working together in some capacity. And, uh, we just had so much fun working together, doing these pop-ups. And, um, as we kind of like got more serious about this coming, becoming a real business and not just pop-ups, um, we just kind of talked about what we could do. And he gradually got on board with, with coming down to the gorge. Um, and, um, and then my other friend, Sam, who lives in Portland, um, we, uh, knew each other in college and then reconnected out here in the Northwest and, uh, same thing, um, just kind of gradually came on board over the second half of last year. And, um, so we decided that when we moved down here, um, we would get a food truck and um and then try our luck in a <laughs> a brand new area which was a little terrifying i mean things were all the pop-ups were going really well in seattle um we could kind of expect a certain level of service and and money and you know know that like this is a viable option um to just walk away from that and then say i sure hope this works in a brand new city um that is you know a fraction of the size of seattle and um, definitely, definitely nerve wracking. Um, but having those guys on board, um, really we have been able to do a lot more stuff, um, just with more help and, um, great ideas and stuff. And, and, uh, yeah, so anyways, we, we kind of, um, basically ended our time in Seattle at the beginning of, uh, this year and, um, the middle of the last snowstorm that was in town and delayed our last pop-up by a couple of days, but still people came out and waited in line. And it was, uh, it was really a, an amazing, like kind of last hoorah. And, uh, uh, so, yeah, storm, right. I mean, we had like two feet of snow on the ground. And oh yeah. Yeah. I think you guys had a, over a foot of snow in Seattle. And I remember seeing on your Instagram, you guys were just like, basically like fuck it we have all this barbecue we're gonna drive really slow yeah. if people like are gonna come out and you had this like amazing turnout from the community um yeah what a, what a send-off and what a just you know just speaks to how well loved you guys are because i feel like you and nikki are just like the best people ever and you're doing something mm -hmm. so awesome and you're so genuine your product is so good and again, you guys just like kind of, I feel like even though social media was not your profession, like you guys understood the value in it and you put the time in it to get good photos, good videos, have friends come out and take pictures, reach out to me, reach out to people that could, you know, highlight what you were doing. And I mean, 
I, you know, many things that led to y'all's success, but yeah, what a, what a, what a great send off. So that's like in what February of this year. That, yeah, exactly. So that's like two months ago. Like that's, yeah, I know. and so now, so, okay. And so you're down in white salmon and you're getting like the food truck and everything. And so you guys recently, did you just have your first pop-up in Portland? Yeah. Yeah. So we, uh, I mean, it's been a whirlwind since we got here of just trying to figure out, you know, we, we, we put a deposit down on a truck to be built for us. Um, but we didn't know where that truck, excuse me, was, was going to go. We didn't have a commissary. We didn't really, we had a lot of things to figure out. And, um, so we got down here and was just like, all right, let's figure out how to do some pop-ups and, and start, you know, seeing if people like our barbecue down here and, um, so we, um, we just through some of the amazing people we met last year in Seattle, um, and the pop-up community and stuff, uh, we were able to meet the folks here at white salmon bakery and, um, they have this incredible bakery. Everything's done in a wood fired oven. Um, and, uh, the location is beautiful. The patio, you just look south and you can see Mount hood and it's just an unbelievable spot. Um, and, uh, so three weeks ago, we did our very first pop-up in the gorge at their spot. And so they closed in the afternoon. We cooked um, like in their back area all day the day before. And then, um, which was great too, because everybody that's coming to the bakery sees us out there cooking, can come talk to us, can find out that we're going to be there serving it the next day. And um, yeah, so we did that. And that was, that was unreal. The, we had no idea what to expect. Um, being in a new area, but we had, I mean, I think there were over a hundred people in line when we started serving and I mean, they were wrapped around the block and we're just, we're already a little stressed trying to get everything done before we start serving. And then you look out back and cause we couldn't see it from the front and you walk around back and it's just like, Holy shit. <laughs> and uh, so we walked up in our line and, and just told everybody, you know, thank you for being here. And we decided to put uh, like maximum limits on some items just to try and have enough food for everybody that was there. And um, everybody it was, it was a gorgeous day. Um, everybody was just happy, I think, to be outside doing something. Um, and we, people would wait over an hour and a half, get to the front of the line and just be laughing, having a great time. I mean, it was uh it was just awesome. It couldn't, there was no, no better way that it could have gone. And we all had a blast. We sold everything. I think we sold out in like two and a half hours. Um, and, uh, you know, we, we cooked as much food as we possibly could. We made an emergency run on Friday. We we're like, we got to get more food. We went and bought 40 pounds of chicken and made a whole new side dish. And, oh my God. And they just, they cleaned us out and it was, it was just amazing. Um, so, uh, yeah, I did that and then did the same thing two weeks ago in Portland. Um, Sam's friends at level brewing invited us to be out there. Um, and we really felt like it would be a good idea to, um, just try and get some exposure in Portland. Cause there's a lot of people in Portland that come out to the gorge and visit, especially in the summer. Um, just trying to get people to be aware of what we're doing. And, um, so same thing with the weather wasn't as good, but we had a, probably a hundred people waiting in line again when we started there and got crushed on food and had to put limits on stuff again. And, and, um, it's just, we're honestly, we just kind of, 
our, our limiting factor is our, the size of our smoker and how much we can cook at once. And, um, we load that thing up as full as it'll get and cook for three straight days and we just get crushed. (laughs) I mean, a great problem to have any plans to get a bigger smoker. (laughs) Yeah, we actually, I I think we're probably putting down a deposit on a bigger one here in the next couple of weeks. Um, cause they take a while to get and, um, we're just trying to figure out some logistical stuff, but, um, yeah, it's, um, like you said, it's a great, great problem. Um, we're just beyond grateful for the support that we've had. And, um, the, the community down here has been so accepting of us, you know, outsiders coming into their small town and embracing what we're doing and everybody that we've met in the industry down here has just been unbelievable. And, um, it's, yeah, we're, we're in heaven down here. I mean, we That's love up. all of our supporters in Seattle, and it was it was awesome. But we um, we couldn't be happier to be down here. Well, I'm I'm so happy to hear that. Again, like no one is more deserving or putting out a better product. Like again, I have had Drew's barbecue many times. Um, and I feel like you're kind of like known for your brisket, but like the sausages that you guys do, like the cheesy sausages are just like to die for. And like, this is not even barbecue, but like he, they do these, these, um, pickled red onions. And the first time Drew dropped me off barbecue, they dropped me off like a container of the pickled red onions. I will like be eating them in the middle of the night out of the fridge with my hand. Like, <laughs> so good. I got obsessed with them. I think you like brought me, you're like, I'm just going to drop you off. Yeah, I think I just brought you a quart of onions. <laughs> yeah. And I miss them. So like you guys need to come to a pop-up in Walla Walla this summer because it gets really busy here in the summer and we need to get you out of winery and we yeah. need to get the barbecue and the red onions and like some rosé or some kind of great pairings. Um, so not like you guys are busy or anything like you. Yeah. Like yeah. you There's no shortage stuff. down here though. That's, that's the beautiful thing of, of Walla Walla and the gorge and it's just like, like there are all these amazing wineries there's so many other producers just doing incredible things and it's like we do want to go to all of those places and work with those people and serve food and and it's it's a long list of all the things that we want to do down here it's just amazing well i feel like there is just like no limit to what you guys um will continue to achieve again i cannot say enough good things uh, about you your business your your wife like you guys are just amazing um Tell people, I could talk to you all day, but I'm going to have to wrap this up for a two-part episode, but tell us where people can get your barbecue now um, just and where they can find you and stuff. Um, so right now we um, are going to be doing the Hood River Farmers Markets on Saturdays, uh, which is downtown Hood River. Um, and we're basically going to do, we'll do it all of May um, and part of June. Um, but basically we're doing that until our food truck is finished. And so that's, we're hoping for like mid June. Um, and once the truck is finished, then it's just going to be parked, um, behind ferment brewing at the waterfront in Hood River. Um, so it's kind of a newer developed area down there. Freem brewing is down there and then it's just, it's gorgeous. And there's this big grassy area behind ferment, um, is ferment in white salmon or hood river no it's in hood river so we live in white salmon um it's literally just across the bridge um, 
but we're going to be operating um, at least this summer all exclusively in Hood River. Um, and so we'll be at the waterfront. Um, we'll be Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and um, yeah, behind ferment. And, and we're trying to figure out how we're going to make more food. And, and the demand uh, that you have just like conjured up in, in, in a short, less than a year and a half. Um, well, Again, Drew, I want to thank you so much for coming on, for talking barbecue with me, for talking food and Seattle with me. Um, you've had quite uh, a culinary progression and have done so many things, again, from, from Dallas to Italy to a, a pig farm in California <laughs> to De La Rinci, to your own successful you know, barbecue business. Um, you're such an interesting person. And again, just the success could not have happened to to a better to a better guy and and the product the quality of what you put out again have had the barbecue many times and you can just taste the love and just the quality of, of what you're doing um and so you guys you guys heard it if you're gonna be in the pacific northwest he's gonna be with grasslands barbecue at the hood river farmers farmers market every saturday and then hopefully by june july gonna have the food truck up at ferment brewing also also in in hood river so if you guys are coming out to explore the beautiful pacific northwest this summer and you definitely should you should definitely try to work in a stop to see drew well thanks steph appreciate all of the uh, kind words and um yeah it's great to honestly my pleasure to be on the podcast and looking forward to hearing all the other episodes that you do and um same thing i mean you're crushing it over there I, I'm, I'm so happy for you guys to have found walla walla and get outside of the city and do all these things and it's uh yeah it's just it's, it's been pretty cool. Like that was the, the thing about being in Seattle is you meet all these people and then five, six years later and everybody's just doing all these incredible things. And it's, uh, it's pretty cool to be a part of. It, it really is. And I, I really could not have asked for a, a better guest or a better first episode. Um, so thank you again, Drew. Thanks everyone for tuning in to the first Eat, Drink, Travel Y'all podcast. There will be a lot more delicious conversations coming up. Um, and, you know, thanks for thanks for tuning in and we'll we'll see you next week. Thank you, Drew. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye.